you are uh, looking at this day not as a day of joy, but perhaps as a day of a bit of agony, you can still be happy for those who are around you who are happy. And for those who are, the 87% or so, you can sympathize and perhaps to some degree empathize with those who are not looking at this day as a day of joy. So uh, it's important for me to say that because I know you come here today with mixed emotions. But having said that, motherhood is such a wonderful thing. And that explains in many ways why today can be a day of joy and a day of lack of joy or even agony. Because there's something planted inside of us as image bearers that responds to the notion of a mother taking care of her children. This is rooted in creation. It goes back to the very beginning of human history. And so whether we come today happy or we come together today sad, it it reminds us that there is an echo of the divine there, the divine design, the original perfect relationship with God and, and with one another that we long for renewal, we long for the perfection. And so we see glimpses of it as God's people, and that gives us hope. And then when we see a lack of the glimpses, when we, when we don't see them, it gives us a longing for the renewal when everything will be perfect. And so in light of that, we're going to meditate today on Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. We are working our way through the book of Acts, and we'll do that through the rest of this month until we take a break for the summer, and we'll have a summer to meditate on the Psalms before we pick back up an Acts when school starts back up. But I was with some pastor friends of mine this week, and if you've been here long enough, you know I don't, I don't do a lot of special day sermons, so we always do Easter, and we always do Advent, Christmas time, obviously. But Memorial Day, and Labor Day, and Arbor Day, and all those other ones, we, we tend to not, you know, skip our normal exposition on those Sundays. But I was hanging out with some buddies of mine this past week, some pastors, and a guy that has been a mentor to me that I really respect, who has the same devotion to verse-by-verse exposition and gospel-centered teaching that we do, I was talking about a friend of his who years ago took Romans chapter 8, verse 1. We're going to extend it a little bit further beyond that to give us some context. And then used that text, which we're going to read again together in just a moment, and used that to say to all the moms in the congregation, as well as everybody else, you don't get to check out today, that there's no condemnation for you. And then he did that through the lens of several areas of life. And I was really compelled by that. So I don't know that guy's name. I don't know the things that he said, but I was intrigued by the idea. So... um, I struggle with that because I love to just stick with where we're at in our exposition, but I feel like it's a good thing for us to do, so that's what we're going to do today. Uh, Just so you know, I did workshop this with my wife last night um, while she was eating salad and I was eating steak and cheesecake, which made me feel condemned since we're going to talk about condemnation today. Um, Like even my salad that I got was supposed to come with like a fat-free vinaigrette and I ordered ranch and of course she probably had no dressing on hers whatsoever, uh, and prayed over every bite and blessed God for the green that came from the earth. So, I mean, last night as I was feeling condemnation from my wife, she's in the nursery, by the way, she can't hear this. Uh, I workshopped this with her. We had a really wonderful dinner while I ate my steak and wasabi mashed potatoes. 
And, and it's amazing. Like I had, I had like 30 or 40 things. You'd be surprised how many we have today. And she gave me like 20 more. And then at the end, whenever we were finished and my cheesecake was coming and I couldn't talk anymore because I wanted to enjoy it, she said, I have more. And I said, I don't have time for more. We have, we have to cut it off. So before we get into these various ways that you moms are not under condemnation, we're going to talk about what these verses mean briefly. We're just going to meditate on them. We're not going to do a full exposition like we would normally do. And then we're going to get into various ways that these verses apply to your everyday life. The apostle says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. He's been building toward this. He begins this letter to the Roman church in the middle of chapter 1 up through the middle of chapter 3, and he makes it clear that all peoples, Jews and Gentiles alike, that encompasses everybody, Everyone is born under condemnation. But then he takes the second half of chapter 3 and then builds all the way through chapter 8 and shows us the great blessings that are ours in Christ if we will just bank on Him. Not just believe things about Him, but trust Him. Stake our claim on Him. We pass from death to life from condemnation to justification, from alienation to belonging. But in chapter 7, there's this nagging question. Why do people, before they're justified, saved, or even after, both categories, pre-conversion, post-conversion, why do people do the things they don't want to do? And why do they not do the things they do want to do? Does that not define motherhood? I live with an emotionally intelligent mother that I wouldn't trade for the world. I'm talking about my wife. She's a wonderful mother to my children. But very often I see her living in Romans 7. Why can't I get my act together? Why do I do the things I don't want to do, and why do I not do the things I know I should do? And I watch my wife living in the angst of of condemnation, usually self-condemnation, though sometimes condemnation from others, including her husband, father of her children. What does my wife need to hear from me in those moments? My strong, capable wife who struggles and lives so often in the throes, the struggle, the wrestling of Romans 7, what do I need to say to her? That she's pretty? She needs to hear that from me. That I love her? She needs to hear that from me. That I accept her? She definitely needs to hear that from me. That I value her? For sure. The main thing that my wife needs to hear from me is not my personal acceptance of her. The main thing that my wife needs to fundamentally believe is that her father smiles on her. Despite the fact that she may really be doing things that aren't right or not measuring up or that she's not all the things that she wants to be because there are days like that. 
And then when she does heap self-condemnation on herself, when, when she actually is all the things that her children need, and she's being the person that God wants her to be, her identity is not found in her good days either, or in her good performance. Her identity is found in how God sees her. And so my wife needs to preach the gospel to herself, and that's what she needs from me. And she needs to believe that there is no condemnation for her because she's in Christ Jesus. How do we know this? Verse 2, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. In other words, there is, there is genuine transformation that is observable in you, Paul is saying to the Roman church. And this is not happening because you are more morally upright than your neighbors. This is a miracle of grace. It has come down from heaven. God the Father has accepted us because of the sacrifice of God the Son, and He has planted God the Spirit inside of us that we might be transformed. This is the promise of the new covenant. That God will remove our hearts of stone and replace them with hearts of flesh and actually etch His law on them so that we can and we will want to obey His law. Verse 3, for God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, He condemned sin in the flesh. This is what He was talking about back in chapter 7. The law cannot save. And the law cannot transform. The law is holy and righteous and good, Paul says, lest we think that it's some sort of evil thing. But our flesh and the evil one take what is good, the law, and twist it and make it into something bad. And then verse 4, why has God done this? In order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. He walked not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. This can mean one of two things. This can mean, first of all, that God has an expectation of us, that we keep His law, and if we do so, we will be accepted, legally justified. The problem, of course, is that we have not kept His law. We have offended God's law. We have transgressed His law in innumerable ways. But Jesus did not. Jesus kept every law, every moment of His life. Externally, and perhaps even more surprisingly, internally. He did all the right things, and He did it for the right reasons. And then He also did all the right things all the right times. So Paul could mean by Romans chapter 8, verse 4, that perfect righteousness has been achieved by us, not actually by us, but credited to us. So this is the doctrine of what we call imputation. Christ perfectly obeyed. We have always disobeyed. We have a big problem then. We are under condemnation for our disobedience. But if the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of another could be credited to us by faith, 
not by anything we've done, then, then God could accept us too. That's what Jesus did. Jesus kept all of God's laws and His righteousness, what, what He did in obeying, and then what He did in sacrificing Himself for us to be a sin offering, dying the death that we deserve. That righteousness can be credited to us. That's the miracle of the gospel. Paul might mean that. The righteousness that God looks for in us has actually been accomplished, but not by us, by His Son. But he could mean another thing by Romans chapter 8, verse 4. He could mean that now that we are in Christ and have been credited with His righteousness and then filled with His Spirit, that we now actually are able to do the things that God requires of us. I tend to think it's more the latter. So, did Christ's perfect righteousness get credited to us, and then God now looks at us with favor? Is that true? Of course that's true. Is it also true that now that we are in Christ, the righteous one, and are indwelt by His Spirit, that we are actually able to do the things that God wants us to do. That is also true, and that does justice to what Paul has just been saying in Romans chapter 7, why we struggle both pre-conversion, before we're saved, and post-conversion, after we are saved, after we are justified, to do the right thing. So Paul's argument here in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, is that those of us who are in Christ... There's no condemnation for us. Because everything we need has been granted to us in Christ. And God, when He looks at us, those of us in His Son, He favors us just like He favors the Son. The way that He looks at His beloved Son, that's the way He looks at us. Now, whether you believe that or not, whether you feel that or not, that is true. If we, like Abraham, Romans chapter 4, have staked our claim on Christ, not just believed certain facts about Him, but trusted Him completely, and no one else, and nothing else, including our own trumped-up moral righteousness, if we're trusting Him and Him alone, then there's no condemnation for us. The Father sees us through the Son and is favorable toward us. And not only that, because He's granted us His Spirit, we can actually become what He wants us to be. Now, will we be perfect? The answer to that, of course, is no. And that's why we gather as God's people week after week to be reminded of the gospel so that we can be at rest knowing there is no condemnation so we can make progress. The major note that Paul is sounding in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, is that we are not condemned. There is an implication of a minor note, however, and that is that we should make progress. We'll talk a bit about that today, but that is not the major note that Paul is sounding, and is not the major note that we will sound today either. Consider some verses with me. Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will 
exult over you with loud singing. If the miracle of the gospel wasn't true, that the righteousness of the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, Jesus Christ the righteous, if it had not been credited to us, not because of anything we've done, but because of God's sheer grace, then Zephaniah 3.17 would seem like a fanciful farce. But it's not. So moms, I say to you today, even if you feel like you're a massive failure in screwing your kids up, God sings over you. Talk more about that in a bit. Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. Moms, and you who you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Him. You share in the life of God. It's true. Having forgiven us all our trespasses, past, present, future, by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands, this He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and Put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Your sin doesn't condemn you. And Satan, the accuser, he can't condemn you. For Jesus' perfect sacrifice has been credited to you as well. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8-10. through 10, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in. them. Notice that Paul says that salvation is free, but we will be changed. This is the promise, once again, of the new covenant. The law written on hearts of flesh that can and will obey Him. In other words, we will make progress. Paul is not giving us any imperatives commands in Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. He's just telling us what has been done for us. So ladies, the progress that you have made, and we're watching, you're making progress. Now, maybe not at the rate that you want, and sometimes, to be honest, not at the rate that you should. Me too. Paul says in Philippians that, he who has begun a good work in us will complete it, and He will do that in you. Maybe this could be your motto today. Ladies, moms, from now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. You may have scars from C-sections. Stretch marks from carrying children, wrinkles in your eyes as you get older. But those marks are not the marks that define you. The marks of Jesus define you. And so I say to you, moms, there is no condemnation. Here's what I mean by that. Your identity is not in this list that I'm going to give you. Your righteousness does not rest upon the list. There is no condemnation for you because of the list. God is not disappointed in you because of the things that we'll talk about. And you don't have to be ashamed of end of school ambivalence or missed assignments. We're going to start light and then we'll, we'll get to heavy. Uh, Facebook now abounds with moms who are at the end of school shame stage, right? Right? 
You began school with like Pinterest lunches, actual containers that are vacuum sealed that perfectly fit a sandwich with the crust cut off that you then take like some sort of like sandwich punch and punch eyes and smiley faces out of and it was balanced. This wasn't Jif because I mean, God knows good moms don't give their kids Jif. They go to Whole Foods and they get peanuts that are locally sourced, whatever that means, uh, with no GMOs, right? And they grind them themselves with someone who accompanies them in their green apron and like a hemp necklace. And, and then you go pay for it. Costs way too much, but you feel good about it. And you go home and you, you make said sandwich. And you actually make your own preserves, right? That you picked at Lind Fruit Farm. And no chips, right? These are like the goldfish that you also paid too much for at Whole Foods. And then by the end of the year, what are you doing? You're taking Lucky Charms and getting a handful and throwing it in a bag, and then you send them off to school and hope that they come back at night, right? Uh, you, you forget that your kid uh, needs to take a report to school and have a really elaborate poster. And when the teacher sends out the notice the night before, you're scrambling, you're going to CVS and buying the last piece of uh, poster board that there is, and it's like lavender or something like that, and you, you're using markers, and you show up the next day, and Pinterest mom, who's still Pinterest mom at the interest, end of the year, somehow shows up with like a perfect one, and it's animated with like LED screens and things like that, and you just feel like a horrible failure, moms, just to be funny for a minute, there's no condemnation for your end of school ambivalence. Mom, there is no condemnation for your forgetting or forgoing teacher gifts, when did this start? When I was a kid, I don't know what happened. I guess my parents just sent me to school, and I, I went, and then I came home, and everybody was happy. But, but now there's 11,000 teachers who need 11,000 gifts, and some of you are teachers, and you deserve gifts. Okay. <laughs> but it's like, a, it's like a line item in our budget now. It's crazy. And what if you forget? Or what if you just don't do it? And then you show up for the end of school party and you don't have anything in your hands? There's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation for your choosing paper goods for parties. That came from my wife, by the way. Um, Pinterest, we have a lot of Pinterest moms in Olentangy. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they keep up the energy. They come with amazing games and amazing gifts. And they're making like snowmen out of... Uh, like marshmallows at Christmas time. At the end of the year, they're making like trees out of gummy worms, locally sourced gummy worms, and you know, like like pretzels that are also GMO free, whatever. Uh, and and you don't want to provide anything because you have no more like mental energy, so you sign up for paper goods that you bought at Aldi. Just saying. Fourthly, uh, moms, there's no condemnation for your dirty, smelly kids. Summer's coming, right? I can't tell you how many times it's late at night on a summer night. And, of course, we should send our kids to get showers, one of which still needs our help. And so we're usually too tired at the end of the day to help him. And I can't tell you how many times he just goes to bed dirty. And my wife, I can't tell you how many times she said, I can't believe I'm sending my kid to bed dirty. And it's okay, right? You can wash sheets. Uh, he kind of smells. It's fine. It's got, like, toe cheese going on, right? Um, but moms, there's no condemnation if you have dirty, smelly kids who uh, don't wash their hair with oatmeal soap from Whole Foods. Uh, next, moms, there's no condemnation for your messy houses. How often do you struggle with that? 
right? Um, maybe because your mom kept a perfect house where everything was labeled and organized. Now, she never played with you. She never did any homework with you. She never did anything fun with you. But she had a perfect house. But there's no condemnation for your messy house. Mac and cheese smashed into the carpet. Cheerios shoved between the couch cushions. 19 piles of laundry all over the house, and who knows whether they're clean or not. There's no food in the refrigerator. Like, like maybe one heel of a piece of white bread, right? And maybe some jiff. There's no condemnation for your messy houses, ladies. Moms, there's no condemnation for unhealthy meals. We're in the midst of sports seasons right now. We're barely hanging on and keeping our schedules together. We're having tons of fun. By the way, if your kids play sports or do music or do dance or whatever, and you complain about it all the time, get them out of it. But if you really enjoy it, keep it going. And don't be surprised if there's nights where you've got nothing in the refrigerator and you pick up some pizza, right? I can't tell you how many nights that we have nothing to do and we run up and get a couple of pizzas from Little Caesars because it's easy. You are not a bad mom if you feed your kids some unhealthy meals. They're not going to die. Moms, there's no condemnation for your unfinished laundry. Just joked about that a moment ago. I can't tell you how many times my kids have to go down to the dryer, which is like their second dresser, right? (laughs) And try to match up some socks. And I I see Zeke at 7 p.m., and he's got a red sock on and a blue sock on. And I'm like, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? There's no condemnation for unfinished laundry. There's no condemnation for not having nice things. You know, some of you don't make a ton of money, or maybe you don't yet. Or maybe you grew up this way. You go to some of your friends' houses, and they've got really nice stuff, right? Have you seen the t-shirt that kids wear now that says, uh, I'm the reason we don't have nice things? Sometimes it's because you don't want it torn up. Like, you got the money. Like, you just don't want to have it torn up. There's no condemnation if you don't have the nicest stuff. There's no condemnation if you don't have the nicest car. There's no condemnation if you go to the end of school party and you've got a mom dressed in designer jeans and perfect heels and an amazing blouse and her hair is perfectly done and it looks like she wakes up with makeup on and she's got a $4,000 bag over her shoulder and she just got out of her $80,000 Escalade and you think to yourself, I just got out of my minivan that's filled with McDonald's french fries and, and I'm like carrying a Kroger bag in my hand and I have sweats on. There's no condemnation for you. Moms, there's uh, no condemnation for, for having nice things, too. Just blew past that. There's not. Just like you shouldn't feel bad if you don't have the best things in the world, you shouldn't feel bad if you have nice things. Don't let other people's jealousies and problems define you. I just talked about McDonald's french fries in the minivan. I bet if we were to go out into the, to the parking lot right now, we would see some really amazing things. Like, like maybe a really helpful cousin to penicillin has growing in your trunk somewhere. Like the only thing you care about in your van is whether or not the movie screen works so they're quiet for a few minutes. 
There's no condemnation if your car is messy. There's no condemnation for forgetfulness. Uh, I heard about a mom that lives somewhere up off Cheshire Road whose kids go to Cheshire Elementary. Uh, She has two white kids and two uh, African kids. I heard about her. Um, At one of the school parties this year, she's in the nursery. She gave me permission. At one of the school parties this year, we, were, we had transitioned from Abe's classroom to uh, Sam's classroom, and I looked at her and I said, where's Zeke? And she said, I don't know. <laughs> and somehow she had just left him. Abe wasn't even in there. And he was just sitting in Abe's classroom all by himself and another kind, gentle mom with a really nice Prada bag, I'm sure brought the child to us, and uh, she felt lots of shame. But there's no condemnation for forgetting. We call it mommy brain. You guys, I don't call it, that's Guys don't use that terminology, but you call it mommy brain, whatever. I don't even know what that means, but there's no condemnation for forgetfulness. There's no condemnation for being the world's worst cook. There's a few of you who are amazing. Like Monday is Indian night. Tuesday is Mediterranean night. Wednesday, you're out there barbecuing. Thursday, it's like a salad smorgasbord. I mean, there's no end to your creativity. Some of you can have all the best cookbooks in the world, and you you can't seem to whip something together, right? And more often than not, it's cereal night. No matter how much your husband or your kids complain, there's no condemnation for being the world's worst cook. There's no condemnation for not having a crafty bone in your body. There's a few of you who do amazing things, like you're MacGyver of crafts. You can take tree branches and leaves and a little bit of creek water and, like, construct this beautiful edifice out of it. We don't even know how you do it. Others of you can go to painting classes and pottery classes, and you just can't seem to whip anything together, and your house kind of reflects it, right? It's okay. There's no condemnation for not being crafty. There's no, there's no condemnation for not being fashionable. There's no condemnation for being fashionable. There's no condemnation for having nice things like clothing and accessories, and there's no condemnation if you don't. That's okay. Living in the bubble of the suburbs is a weird place. It's kind of numbing and it's kind of not real a lot of the time. So ladies, if you wear nice clothes and you have a nice handbag or an other nice things like jewelry, that's okay. And I want to say to you, if, if you're looking and maybe even right now thinking of the person who does have those nice things, who seems always put together and has all the right things, don't judge them. There's no condemnation for them from you. And likewise, if you're the one who's just kind of showing up and just kind of pulling it all together and your hair is always in a ponytail and you couldn't care less what you wear, it's okay. There's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation for imperfect finances. We're going to start to get a little more serious here, okay? And when we get more serious, some of these things call for repentance. But, but your repentance is not your righteousness. Let's be careful, right? Who is your righteousness? Jesus is your righteousness. So, so some of these ones are, we're going to start to get a little more serious with. They may call for repentance, but even your repentance doesn't define you. Jesus does. So, so you can be at peace and make progress because you've been granted the Spirit 
You can have shalom. You can be whole with God and yet experience sanctification. So what if your finances aren't in perfect order? What if you buy things you shouldn't buy? What if you're living on credit? What about your angry and mean days? You have those? I'm not a mom. I had one yesterday. I tore into one of my kids yesterday. It was horrible. I was really, really sinful. I apologized. I made it right. But I had an angry, mean day yesterday. I was tired. I was grumpy. You have those days, moms? You're not getting enough sleep. You're self-condemning. Your mom or your mother-in-law is on your case. Your kids are barely hanging on. You're not condemned if you have angry and mean days. They're going to come, and your kids will make it. This is one of those ones that clearly calls for repentance, right? But your righteousness is not found in always being nice. Moms, there's no condemnation for having gifted or ungifted kids. Some of you have kids who may split the atom one day, right? Some of you have kids who can barely put a puzzle together. That, I mean, really. We have some families here in our church who have children who have significant uh, needs. That doesn't define you. And guess what? It's okay to have average kids too. Maybe they won't get A's all the time. I will say that if you have kids who get A's, it's nice because Krispy Kreme gives you free donuts for every A. So I do commend that. Make them work hard. But if, if you've got average kids or below average kids, that doesn't define you. You are not defined by how gifted your kids are. And you've got to be careful if you do have the gifted kids, right? If you've got the really smart kid who's in all the honors programs, who probably will get a full ride to Vanderbilt or Northwestern, that doesn't define you either because that will go away. Moms, you're not condemned if you have athletic or unathletic kids. We live in a community here that makes an idol out of sports. Our family loves sports. We spend a lot of time shuttling our kids back and forth to sports. We've chosen to do it. We love to do it. Um, in our community where we live, we, so our kids are in public school here in Olentangy, it's not enough to just say that your kid plays baseball or that your kid plays soccer or lacrosse, and I kid you not, fencing. There's fencing in our community. If you live in New Albany, your kid probably plays polo. That's awesome. If your kid plays polo, more power to you. It's not enough just to say your kid plays those things. There's this pressure in our community to say that your kid plays the travel version of that thing. And that's fine. If your kid is good enough to do that, that's fine. But guess what? That doesn't define you. And if your kid isn't good enough to do those things, that's okay too. Moms, there's no condemnation. If your kid doesn't measure up to your neighbor's kid, don't feel condemnation for that. It's not your identity. Moms, there's no condemnation for your school choices. Some of you homeschool your kids, and that's fine. Some of you send your kids to private Christian schools, and that's fine. Some of you have chosen to send your kids to public school, and, and that's fine. If you homeschool your kids, they're still going to be socially adjusted to the world. If you send your kids to Christian school, they'll still be able to operate in the real world. 
If you send your kids to public school, it doesn't mean that you don't care about discipleship. See all the lies that we can believe. There's no condemnation for your school choices. There's no condemnation for imperfect husbands. We could, we could spend a lot of time on this one. I am one. I am not all that I want to be for my wife. Now, I am not who I was by God's grace and the spirit that he's given me. This is also one of the implications of Romans 8, 1 through 4. He's changed me, but, but I'm not all that she needs all the time. What if your husband does secret things that nobody else knows about and you fear that if it were found out that everything would be ruined? What if your husband is not the Prince Charming, to be a little more light, what if your husband is not the Prince Charming that you thought he was, right? Like you went on dates all the time back in the day and he wrote you poems. I, I did that. They were horrible, but I did it. But what if he doesn't do that anymore? And rather, he'd rather sit on the couch and watch sports all the time and not pay attention to you. You're not defined by your imperfect husband. So I will say here, parenthetically, husbands, you should be making progress, right? It's not Father's Day today, but there's a good chance for us here to, to love our wives well. But ladies, because this is about you, there's no condemnation if you don't have a perfect husband. Uh, moms, there's no condemnation for your estranged children. Some of you have, have kids who are older now. What happens if you no longer have a relationship with them because they've wandered from the family or they've wandered from the faith? That doesn't define you. Is it possible that a mother, in the rearing years of her children, the child-rearing years, is it possible that she will make every perfect choice at every perfect turn. What's the answer to that? Absolutely not. Your children, your grown children, are responsible for their actions. You can lament bad choices you made. You can, you can lament missed opportunities with your kids. But, but even if your child has wandered from the faith and from your affection, that doesn't define you. It's not your identity. You're not condemned for it. Fourthly, um, moms, there's no condemnation for your physical relationship with your husband. I'll, I'll be discreet here. This is a big source of fighting in a lot of marriages. It's not Hollywood. It's not what you see in the movies or in TV. And this can go both ways. It's not satisfying to him or to you. Both ways. There's no condemnation for that. If you need help, we can actually provide you with counsel that might help you through that. But, but we're not talking so much about progress today. That's the minor chord that Paul strikes here in Romans 8, 1 through 4. The primary chord that he strikes here is there's no condemnation for you. So if this one isn't perfect, don't be surprised. No condemnation for you. Next, um, there's no condemnation if your wedding dress doesn't fit anymore. There's no condemnation if you don't get to exercise like you would like. You're not 18 anymore, right? Th that's life. So there's no condemnation if you're not in the shape that you want to be in, even if that occupies your mind all of the time. Uh, husbands, be careful with this one. Uh, moms, there's no condemnation when you get wrinkles. 
That's going to happen. That comes with age, right? And when you have kids, especially multiple kids, they, they get amplified, right? It's, it's like this exponential growth the more kids you have. There's no condemnation if you don't have an 18-year-old face anymore. That's life. Husbands, cherish your wives as they age. They should be just as beautiful to you now, if not more than before. Next, um, moms, there's no condemnation for your missed opportunities. A job you should have taken. A relationship that is now gone. Moms do this all the time. I wish I had, I wish I had, if only I had, if only I had, if I had to do it over again. You can lament what was missed. You can feel badly about it. You can talk to God about that or to trusted confidants, but, but missed opportunities don't define you. Moms, there's no condemnation for conversation hangover. This is one my wife talks to me about all the time, and I've got it. I'll do it today. I'll talk to a few of you after our worship gathering, and then I'll go home and I'll think about what I said. And I'll think about how I said it, and then I'll have regrets. Some of you ladies do this all the time. You have conversation hangover. I didn't say what I should have said, or I said something I shouldn't have said, or I didn't say it with a smile or the right body posture. Guess what? You're going to screw up. Like, let's just assume for a minute you didn't say what you should have said, or you said something you shouldn't have said, or you said it in a snarky manner. Guess what? That doesn't define you. Now, usually you're just making something out of nothing. I will say that as a community like ours grows in grace, this becomes less of a problem. So that even if you did say something to a sister, talking to moms here, sister in the faith that that wasn't the best thing or at the best time that you know she loves you so much and she's trusting in the righteousness of Jesus that she's not going to hold that against you. I invite you ladies to extend that kind of grace to each other. Uh, There's no condemnation for saying no to good things. Guess what? You are not a super mom. It's okay to say no even to good things. You can't do everything. You may not make it to every party. Your children may not make it to every birthday party they are invited to. You may miss a women's gathering. You may miss a season of women's study. You may miss dinner fellowship. There's no condemnation for you. Now, I go back to what I just said a moment ago. If a community like ours is growing in grace and you say no, they should extend grace to you. Because your righteousness is not in making them happy. Your righteousness comes from another. So be okay with saying no. And, and this is where this really gets real. Be okay to say no and not give an excuse. That's a hard one, isn't it? Not only to say, I can't, I'm sorry, but, but then to stop there and say, I can't, I'm sorry, because we have seven things this week, and if we don't carve out two hours of family time, I won't see my husband. That's okay. It's okay to say no to good things. You're not condemned for that. And if people treat you poorly for that, then that's on them. Moms, there's no condemnation if you work. And by that, I mean outside the home, because all of you work hard. Some of you really like your careers. Some of your families need it to help with the budget. 
There's no condemnation if you spend some of your time, even a good part of your time, working an occupation. Work is a good thing. Work is not a result of the fall. Adam and Eve worked before the fall happened. Work is an honorable thing. So moms, if you wonder if you're spending too much time with people who are not related to you and not enough time with the people that are related to you, there's no condemnation for you. Likewise, moms, there's no condemnation if you have career ambitions that are unfulfilled. Maybe you have an advanced degree, but you spend most of your time changing diapers and fixing porridge or whatever little babies eat, rice cereal. Not wearing business suits and having nice heels and driving a more expensive minivan and leaving in the morning and coming back at night, that doesn't define you either. So whether you work outside the home or whether you don't, that, that doesn't define you. Your righteousness is not made up in what you do. I'm going to say that again. Your righteousness does not consist in what you do. So there's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation for your family of origin, where you came from, who your mom was, who your dad was. You might have had an abusive parent. You might have had an alcoholic parent. You might have had a family that no one has ever believed the gospel until you. And maybe they're even notorious. Maybe you worry that the things that they did, you'll do. You live in constant fear of the specter of who your parents were. There's no condemnation for your family of origin. There's no condemnation for disappointed mothers or mothers-in-law. Grown daughters, most of you here today, is your mother sometimes disappointed in you? Or maybe your mother-in-law, that's even worse. It doesn't define you. As you grow perhaps a little bit older, you learn to deal with this a little bit better. But I say especially to those who are married maybe for 10 years or less, this is a hard one. If you are a mother or mother-in-law of a grown child, pour grace into your daughters and into your daughters-in-law. It's the best thing you can do for them. Affirm them. Point them to Jesus. Moms, there's no condemnation for unmended relationships. Relationships that that just fell apart, that aren't put back together again, and, and you worry that they never will be. There's no condemnation for your unmended relationships. That, that might be friends, and that might be family. It could be your sister, your brother, a parent. Your unmended relationships could repair. There's opportunity maybe for progress there, but But what if they don't get repaired? That doesn't condemn you. That doesn't define you. Moms, there's no condemnation for your bad choices. Just to be clear, you're going to screw up. You're going to choose wrong things. You're not always going to steer your children in the right way. You're you're not always going to have them make the best choices. And you're not going to always make the best choices. But failing, sinning, transgressing, even though those things may call for repentance, and often they do, you're not condemned by these things. Your sins have been nailed to Jesus' cross. Moms, there's no condemnation if your kids are struggling emotionally, relationally, academically. 
behaviorally. There's no condemnation if you have disobedient kids. Kids who often don't do the things that you know that they should do. And even though you tell them to do it, even scream at them to do it, they don't do it. This is an interesting one. Moms, there's no condemnation for tantrums in public. You see this sometimes? And you're worried all the judgy moms out there with their expensive handbags and perfectly crafted lunches for their children who make all the snowmen for the Pinterest parties at school are judging you. It's okay if your kid has a tantrum in public. And you don't have to apologize for it. Herein, again, lies an opportunity for those of you who are watching such things to come alongside such a mother and just put your arm around her and help her. Sometimes there's nothing more life-giving than another mother accepting a mother who's struggling. Moms, there's no condemnation for your irrational fears. You may have a husband who's not scared of anything. He takes the kids to do scary things. And you're always cautioning them, don't do these scary things. Don't jump off this rock. Don't climb this tree. Don't go on this trip. Moms, there's no condemnation if you have irrational fears. Moms, there's no condemnation if you have irrational dreams. Sometimes my wife will come to me and tell me the nightmares she's had, and I just think, why do you even think about these things? Some of you might be like that too. There's no condemnation for the mental junk that gets worked out in your, your dreams. Moms, there's no condemnation for longing for solitude. You just want to be alone sometimes. Then you feel guilty that you want to be alone. You need a little bit of peace and quiet because you're always dealing with needy people. There's no condemnation if you long for some solitude. There's no condemnation if you're selfish. Again, an opportunity for repentance, right? Because you're going to be fighting this the rest of your life. You're going to be repenting of selfishness until you die. But you're not condemned if you're selfish. It's not surprising if you're selfish. Jesus died for you knowing full well that your selfishness would not end the moment you were converted. Moms, you're not condemned if you're selfish. Moms, you're not condemned if you struggle with depression or mental health issues. We have moms in our church who do. You're not condemned for this. It's your lot in life. It's your particular struggle. It doesn't define you. And God does not see you through that lens. And gracious husbands and gracious children and gracious sisters in the faith will treat you with such tenderness that you cannot help but feel accepted and loved. It doesn't define you. Moms, there's no condemnation for premarital relationships that you regret. Again, I'll be discreet here, but there can be, there can be struggles from the past it doesn't define you. Moms, there's no condemnation for infidelity. I'm going to talk about some bigger ones here, some harder ones that, that might cause you to cringe a little bit. What if there has been, even after marriage, by you or by your spouse? It's happened. It's happened in our church. Again, clearly this calls for repentance, a transformation of lifestyle. But if it has happened, does it define you? Good people, even in the Scripture. You think of people like Abraham. He skirted the edge of this. David, who crossed the line clearly. Judah, from whom Jesus came. Infidelity doesn't define you. God takes sin and uses it sinlessly. What about infertility? 
We saw Hannah struggling with this in the beginning of 1 Samuel. Her husband's other wife mercilessly chiding her, teasing her about this. This is a struggle in our culture. It's natural for women to want to have children. It's natural for women to want to have biological children. Your infertility doesn't mean you're cursed. Your infertility does not define you. Your infertility will not define your happiness. There's no condemnation for infertility. There's no condemnation for an unwanted pregnancy. Why do I include that here? Because sometimes you conceive and you wish you hadn't. And you struggle with those emotions. And even if you change them, you turn them around, and you get where you need to get, and you love that child that is eventually born, those initial feelings of, of selfishness, perhaps, or even not wanting this pregnancy or not knowing how you're going to handle it, it doesn't condemn you. This is going to shock you, perhaps, but there's no condemnation if you've had an abortion. Is abortion wrong? You are taking the life of an image bearer. Whitney and I have good friends, and I won't tell you where they live. I won't tell you their names. They've been pretty influential in making disciples in our country for a long time. But before she became a Christian, before she married her husband, she had an abortion. Her mom made her do it because she thought it would ruin her life. And though she is resting deeply in the love of Jesus, that still hangs with her. She laments that. If you've even done something like this, it doesn't define you. Moms, there's no condemnation if you miss Bible reading and miss praying. Is there a season of life that is harder to be attentive to the Word and to devoted prayer than raising young kids? It's really hard. Now, should you try? The answer is yes. You should pay attention to God's Word. You should, you should talk to Him. I would encourage you younger moms who are struggling to carve out time for this and, and feel the depletion, feel yourself running on empty, to find some, some older moms who, who have raised kids to adulthood and ask them what they did. And then older moms who've raised kids to adulthood, if you failed that whole time and never figured it out, tell them that. That'll make them feel better. But then teach them what you've, you've done or what you learned along the way. Paul exhorts Titus to exhort the older ladies in the church to help the younger ladies know how to raise godly families. So, so there's opportunity for here. But, but if you miss a week or a month or a year of reading your Bible, though you should make progress and change, that doesn't define you. Your righteousness is in Jesus. Moms, there's no condemnation for biblical literacy or lack thereof. You go to a women's study, and, and the, the group leader asks a question, and you have no idea what she's even talking about. And then there's this other mom over in the corner, and maybe she's dressed really well, or maybe she has sweats on too. And, and then she says, well, in the Greek, it means this. And John Piper uh, once commented on this, and he said this. And one time I was at a Christian conference, and after I got done singing and weeping and raising my hands in the air, I came to this theological conclusion. You're like, 
I don't even know what my kids are going to eat for lunch when I leave this women's study. I don't even know why I'm here. There's no condemnation for being biblically literate either. You don't have to feel bad if you've applied yourself to this. There's no condemnation for your biblical literacy or lack thereof. There's no condemnation for your gospel fluency or lack thereof. You have that friend out there that no matter what comes their way, they're always able to see it through the lens of hope in Jesus. And then you talk to them on the phone or you text or you see them at church on a Sunday and, and you say, hey, my week was just awful. And they're like, well, you should have looked at it this way. And you're like, oh, why didn't I think of that? But if you do have something to, to say, don't feel bad about that. There's, there's no condemnation for your gospel fluency or lack thereof. There's no condemnation if you parent through the law. Now, I will say this requires lots of repentance. But if you're always yelling at your kids and making rules for them and never applying grace to their hearts, never pointing them to the Jesus that you need so desperately, no condemnation for you. Guess what, Mom? Some days you're going to parent through the law. Repent of that, change, but no condemnation for you if you're not a perfect mom in the way that you disciple your children. Maybe there's days you miss. You hang out with your friend and their kids are reciting catechisms in Latin. And you're like, I'm not sure my, my kid even knows like who Jesus' mom was. Now, should you make progress in this? Yes. Are there others around you who can help you make progress in this? Yes. Now, I will say to you that as, as I see your kids and, and I, I try to pay attention, and our, our kids' church teachers pay attention, our elders pay attention, I see so many kids who are learning about Jesus and learning to treasure him. So, so moms, you're doing a great job with this. But there's going to be seasons where you don't, and there's no condemnation for you. There's no condemnation if you have unbelieving children, especially for those of you who have older children. God's responsible for this, and, and your children are responsible for accepting the gospel. There's no condemnation if your child does not believe the gospel. There's no condemnation for not measuring up, and we're going to end with this one and the next one. Guess what? There are always going to be people in your life that you're better than. And there will always be people in your life that are better than you. Now, I don't mean fundamentally from an image-bearing point of view we're all equal in God's sight, but they're better moms. They, they, they have it all together. You ever say that to your husband or you say it to yourself or to your friend? I just don't have it all together. That's life. And there's opportunity for progress. There's, there's opportunity for growth and sanctification. There's opportunity for repentance where necessary. But guess what? You're not condemned if you don't measure up. I remember one time, it was not long after Whitney and I got married. It was quite a while before we had kids. We were still living in South Carolina. We spent one Mother's Day going up to visit my grandmother in Kentucky. She, uh, at this point, had moved away from her little country farm to a little small town. And she had found a church. So we went there on Mother's Day. And the pastor got up that day, and he had a leisure suit on. This would have been like the early 2000s. It was kind of weird to be wearing a leisure suit. It didn't really fit him very well. And so we're all wondering, what are you doing, right? And he said, this suit my mother bought for me when I was 18 years old. He was in his 50s by this point. And he loved Mother's Day because he loved his mom so much. 
And then this church, they chose a mother of the year. Can you imagine? This would completely undercut my whole sermon. But they did. They chose a mother of the year. And then to up the ante, Pastor whatever his name was, we'll call him Clyde. Pastor Clyde in his leisure suit chooses the mother of the year. And as she's coming up to get her flowers in her book by Chuck Swindoll or whatever, he starts singing to her to the tune of Miss America. Here she is, mother of the year. I kid you not. It was the most uncomfortable thing I've ever witnessed in a church service. Now, he he meant it with all of his heart. But all those other moms in the congregation had to be thinking, well, who is she, right? Uh, We'll never do that here, I promise. I don't know, I may find some old suit that doesn't fit me, but I won't sing to the mother of the year. Guess what? You're not going to measure up all the time. Your righteousness is not consistent in this, and you won't be condemned for it. And then lastly... Uh, You ever say this, I'm ruining my kids' lives. They need or deserve a better mother. Just like Eve believed the first lie in the garden. Moms, you have a tendency, and I love you when I say this because you're my sisters, but moms, you have tendencies to believe lies. Now, guys, we do too. We believe lies all the time. But moms, from the beginning, the evil one has been planting lies in your head and you've been helping him and you believe lies all the time. These are lies. You're not ruining your kids and they don't deserve a better mother. Now, will you grow and change? Will you be a better mother at 35 than you were at 25? Of course. The Spirit's inside of you. God will complete his work in you. But you're not ruining your kids' lives, and they don't deserve a better mother. They have the mother that they need. How should we respond? Well, first, let us preach the gospel to ourselves every day. What's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, if it isn't the hope of the gospel? You will believe all these lies. You will struggle with all these false righteousnesses. You will struggle with condemnation over all these things if you don't preach the gospel to yourself every day. And then invite other people into your lives who will do the same. Husbands, get really good at this. Friends of moms, so girlfriends, become much better at this. Rather than looking for ways to judge your sister and condemn your sister and make her feel bad for her failures, so that you can prop yourself up because you have identity issues. Instead, be the kind of person that points your sister to the gospel of Jesus and then do it again and again and again and again and again. If you struggle with finding your identity in wrong things and then judging people through that lens, come up with a way to push back against that. Choose someone to text every day of the week. Maybe it's the same person. Maybe it's somebody different. And point them to Jesus and his good news. And ladies, if you have people in your lives who don't do this for you, you may have to cut them off a little bit. Now, I do not mean by this that you do not allow people into your lives who will help you make progress, who will lead you to repentance, who will lead you to greater moral transformation. You should invite those ladies in too. That ladies, preach the gospel to yourselves every day. Husbands, help them. And then invite others, ladies, into your lives who will do the same. 
And if we have a community of people that are resting in the gospel of Jesus, we will make all the progress that he wants us to make. We will. That's the promise of Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. When I asked my wife about my list last night, which she did add to, she said, I have a lot to say about this. I'm sure that you would add more to this, but I hope that you find encouragement today. Moms, we love you. You are a gift of God to your families. You're a gift of God to this church. May God bless you today. May he make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. And may you rest in the good news of his son. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, now help.